following is a presentation of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. Good morning. Our epistle reading is from the book of James, 19 through 27. You must understand this, my beloved. Let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. For your anger does not produce God's righteousness. Therefore, rid yourself of all the sordidness and rank growth of wickedness and welcome with meekness the implanted word that has the power to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not merely hearers who deceive themselves. For if they are hearers of the word and not doers, they are like those who look at themselves in the mirror. For they look at themselves and go upon going away, immediately forget what they were like. But those who look into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and, and persevere, being not hearers who forget, but doers who act. They will be blessed in their doing. If any think that they are religious and do not bridle their tongues, but deceive their hearts, their religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father is this to care for the orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. May God add his blessing on this, his holy word. Okay, I'll be reading from Mark 7, um, a few verses there. I'm reading from the New Revised Standard Version updated edition, so it might be a little different from the the red book, but it's page 818 to 19 in Red Bibles. Now when the Pharisees and some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem gathered around him, they noticed that some of his disciples were eating with defiled hands, that is, without washing them. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands, thus observing the tradition of the elders and they do not eat anything from the market unless they wash. And there are also many other traditions that they observe, the washing of cups and pots and bronze kettles and beds. So the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? He said to them, Isaiah prophesies rightly about you hypocrites. As it is written, this people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching human precepts as doctrines. You abandon the commandment of God and hold to human tradition. Then he called the crowd again and said to them, Listen to me, all of you, and understand there is nothing outside a person that by going in can defile. But the things that come out are what defile. For it is from within, from the human heart, that evil intentions come. Fornication, theft, murder, 
adultery, avarice, wickedness, deceit, debauchery, envy, slander, pride, folly. All of these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. Okay, so challenging words from Jesus today. We had challenging words from James earlier. Just challenging words all around. Um, Don't worry, I'm not going to say any challenging words in the sermon to make up for it. It should be fine. (laughs) Today is the last week in our Recovering Prayer series. And as I mentioned at the announcements, Tuesday is the last uh, instance of our Recovering Prayer workshop. That'll be Tuesday uh, at 6.30. Um, I wanted to kind of get a quick sense from the congregation about a couple of questions. I, if you want to just shout back an answer to me briefly enough that I can remember it, I'll repeat it so that others can hear it. Um, it could be just a word or two, in fact. And some of it is things that we've talked about throughout this series. But I'm curious, as we get toward the end of this, what is one of the things that makes it difficult for you or your friend to pray? Right? <laughs> what makes it difficult to pray? Distractions, thank you. What else? Hurt. Hurt. Mm. Finding time. time. Not knowing what to say. say. Thank you. Shame. Shame. Mm. Shoulds. What you should say and in what order. Oh, shoulds, yes. Specifically, you said what you should say and in what order you should say it. Yep. Make sure you don't get that wrong or you're in trouble. Being a bad rememberer. Too many things to pray about. Too many things to pray about. Don't know where to begin, maybe. Wow, thank you. Oh, conflicting prayers. Interesting. This is wonderful to get a sense of where the community's at with this. Like we we have challenges with prayer. Many of you probably resonated with more than one of those things that was just shared out loud, and you might have some other ones that you would have added if I had let you have the time to do it. My next question is, um, for those who've been part of this past six weeks, either on Sundays or on Tuesdays, what's something uh, that you will take with you from this Recovering Prayer series and season? The importance of community. Ah, the importance of community. Thank you. Oh, emotions are okay. I thought you said devotions are okay for a second there. And I'm like, that's very artisan that someone's saying that devotions are okay. No, emotions are okay. Thank you. Thank you. Last week was pray with your emotions. Okay. Okay, yeah. So uh, something you'll take with you is letting others pray for you. That's really powerful and can be very vulnerable. But one of the challenges that you were thinking of, you said, is that sometimes falling asleep is, is a problem with prayer. Yeah. Um, I don't need to affirm everybody in their specific thing, but for people who fall asleep when they pray, it's okay. Just, just dream the rest of your prayer. Just dream it. It's all, it really is okay. If you fall asleep when you're praying, that might be God's way of saying, what you need right now is rest, and that's holy. Yes? Using a guided system is okay. Yeah, a lot of us came to, or came from traditions where that was deemed very stuffy and, and way too something. Yeah. 
probably Catholic would be the thing that we would think it was way too. But anything else? Yeah, interesting. Yeah, thank you for bringing that back. Actions can be prayers too. Um, I had mentioned the example of playing my guitar, which I I have had to be told many times is a valid form of prayer. Um, yeah, let's actually use that as our transition because um, uh, I think it'll make sense why in a minute. But I want to I want to sort of give us this uh, attention getter quotation from Howard Thurman. Howard Thurman, uh, whose book Martin Luther King kept in the breast pocket of his suit coat every day. Uh, Jesus and the Disinherited is the name of the book, by the way. But here's something that he said. The sheer physical necessity of prayer is urgent because the body and the entire nervous system cry out for the healing waters of silence. Isn't that quote just like, so dense, like you could sit with every word and, and reflect on that. Today's message is entitled, Pray With Your Feet. And it's actually, actually two completely different sermons, two completely different versions of what it means to pray with your feet. Don't worry, they are both abbreviated sermons. You're not going to get the full dose of both sermons. Um, but one of them, one version of Pray With Your Feet is, is kind of pretty, like, um, how ironic that our... Uh, sound acoustic paneling, which absorbs noise, just fell on the floor and made a noise that distracted some of us. <laughs> it's not the first time it has happened, won't be the last time. So two versions of pray with your feet. The first one is kind of um, theoretical and philosophical. So for those of people who like to think about thinking about thinking about things, you're just going to be right up your alley. And the other one is extremely practical, so I will wake you up when the first one is over to give you that one. You can see I'm trying to quickly check off all the boxes I can before this series ends. Um, Very quick disclaimer. I made a similar disclaimer with the the sermon on silence and listening prayer, which was entitled Pray With Your Ears. Um, Jenna mentioned uh, internalized ableism. um, And I want to just be clear about the fact that, you know, this pray with your feet is, is, uh, it's both literal and metaphorical, right? much as you can do a listening prayer, even if you're deaf or hard of hearing, you can uh, pray with your feet, even if you uh, don't use your feet to move about. Um, and sometimes the language we use can, can unintentionally and carelessly marginalize other people. I just want you to know that's not my intention with any of what I'm going to say here today. So feel free to substitute at any point during this sermon. When I say things like pray with your feet or walk while you pray, which is a spoiler alert, what's, what's going to come a little bit later, um, you can make whatever adaptations you would like to make for your own um, way of getting around. Okay, version one. Pray with your feet in version one means simply this. You are going to do something about the thing you are praying for. The origin of this phrase, I've, I looked it up and I found it in two different places. One where I expected to find it and one where I did not expect to find it. So the place where I expected to find it was from Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel, who was a 20th century Polish rabbi who worked with Dr. King during the Civil Rights Movement. In fact, uh, marched with Dr. King in, I think it was the third uh, Selma to Montgomery march. And he said, when I marched in, Sem- in Selma, my feet were praying. 
Or uh, I'll give you a little bit more of a detailed version of that sentiment, and we'll put it on the screen so that you can see it if you'd like. Uh, for many of us, the march from Selma to Montgomery was about protest and prayer. Legs are not lips, and walking is not kneeling. And yet our legs uttered songs. Even without words, our march was worship. I felt my legs were praying. So uh, Rabbi Heschel might well have spent many hours praying for change in America during the civil rights era. And what he also did was pray with his feet by getting out there and putting his body on the line in this march. Right? The second place that I found this, um, this phrase was from Rochester's own Frederick Douglass. What Frederick Douglass said was, I prayed for freedom for 20 years, but received no answer until I prayed with my legs. You know, Frederick Douglass escaped slavery. Now, I think it's very important to be honest about the context and the meaning of this phrase when Frederick Douglass used it. Frederick Douglass renounced Christianity. And so my understanding of what he means by this is is that he was saying that his prayers were essentially worthless and that he eventually had to take matters into his own, I was going to say hands, but let's go with feet. It's on, on point for today. And he escaped when he took, you know, took the action required to do so. Now, why would I include somebody like that in this prayer? Well, one is because I found it, and I want to be honest about it and cite the source when I can and be honest about what the source meant by it. I don't want anybody to take scripture out of context, and I don't want to take his words out of context. But the second reason is because I truly want you to consider this aspect of prayer, this way of praying, before you get to the point of throwing in the towel of your faith. Right? Now, obviously, my experience of life is nothing like Frederick Douglass's experience of life. Um, I am in no way intending to make a condemnation of his choices, of his belief, of his spirituality or religious practice or lack thereof. I just sincerely believe that there, that there is a middle ground between, or maybe I should say an overlap with these two ideas of our total reliance on God and our need to cry out to God, Lord, hear our prayer, on the one hand, and our participation with God's answer to prayer on the other. And that gets to me what, what I really mean in this first version of the sermon, pray with your feet. You can be the answer to your own prayer, or at least you can be part of it. You can be part of God's will becoming a reality in the world. My experience of faith uh, when I was younger, both in late adolescence and early adulthood was uh, a serious preoccupation with the idea of God's will. Maybe you had this experience of life at some point. Maybe you have it right now. Of always wanting to be in the know about what God's will was. What does God want for me? What's God's will for my life? Um, and it really got taken to some fairly ridiculous extremes in my, in my maybe not so kind to my former self uh, version, right? What's God's will for who I should marry, where I should work, what I should major in, whether I should register for this class or the other, what parking place I should get, who I should take to the prom? You know, I'm not sure God cares, is my current view about some of those things, except that God cares about it all. Do you know what I mean? Right? 
But God maybe doesn't have a big preference. Buy the Nissan, buy the Toyota. Yeah. Pray about something else. <laughs> right? <clears throat> as soon as I make light of that, I can immediately think of a version of that that's a completely valid prayer. So, you know, assume a more gentleness than I, than I put out, maybe. What I'm trying to say is this goes for God's guidance and, and our participation in the, in the world in the way that God would have us do so. So often we say, Jesus, take the wheel, right? Anybody ever said, Jesus, take the wheel, unironically? <laughs> and I think, I really do think that, that sometimes what Jesus says in response to that is, okay, but you have to press the gas pedal. Do you see what I'm saying? God cannot steer your car if you have it in park. You want God's direction? Put the car of your life into drive. Or if you have a clutch and a shifter and you know how to do that, go for it. And start going. Because you really can't change the direction a car is facing until it's in motion. And I really don't think you get a very good sense of God's guidance or direction in your life until you start to go in a direction, whatever one you can come up with. So what I would say about this to conclude my car metaphor for the day. <laughs> Put the car in gear, start it moving, and be open to a change of direction. That last part is very important, but so is the first part. <laughs> and you might struggle more with one than the other. I'm thinking about times when I'm driving in the car, Driving along, driving along, and some beloved member of my family tells me that I have a turn coming up or, I don't know, that there's a red light I'm not seeing. I get furious, like instant rage. I know, I know where I'm going, right? <laughs> I'm not necessarily open to a critique of my driving in life. And this is definitely not a metaphor about direction um, and understanding God's leading in my life. <laughs> Am I making any sense at all? Thank you. Yes, yeah, says the person who rides in the car with me sometimes. Yeah, you're good, Dad. Um, well, I will point out that that's not exactly what he said. But Okay, earlier you heard James chapter 1, that famous phrase, be doers of the word and not merely hearers. And for this sermon, I kind of want to um, adapt that because I think it has a connection to praying with your feet I want to sort of make it say, be doers of the prayer and not merely prayers of the prayer. This becomes a really difficult thing to navigate, and I, this is why I say it's sort of philosophical and theological. You have to sort out for yourself, how much role do I play in the world? Or does everything happen exactly the way God's going to make it happen and I don't have anything to do with it? I have my views about that, maybe you have yours, but in either case or anything in between, uh, if you're going to pray with your feet by trying to bring about the thing that you are praying to God for, it's going to cause you to do some, some thinking about what your role is in the world and what God's role is in the world. And I think doing some thinking about that is probably a good thing. So if that, if that frustrates you and leaves you feeling confused... I'm sorry that you feel that way, but I'm not sorry that I sent you in that direction because I think it's really important work for people of faith. Um, that James passage, by the way, is 
pure fire. <laughs> James 1, um, 19 through 27. Read it again on your own sometime. Um, I, don't know, I was going to read it to you, but I want to keep things moving here because now all of those people who are ready for the practical version of prayer, now's your chance to snap back into it with me. We're going to get into the very simple, direct, straightforward meaning of pray with your feet, which is very simply the idea of praying while you are going on a walk. Or moving about however you do. Feel free to substitute whatever works for you. Why is this a thing? Why does this work? (laughs) Well, I think praying while you go for a walk is so powerful because we are integrated beings. We are not just spirit. We are not just body. We are not just our thoughts. All of these things combine together to make us who we are. And you can see that this is true. Anybody can see that this is true by spending 10 seconds observing yourself at any point during the day. The connection between your body and your spirit and your heart and your mind and all those things, your gut, however you want to describe it for yourself. Are you nervous? That's why your stomach is in knots. Are you happy? That's why your mouth is doing that weird thing. Let's all bow our heads in prayer. Right? We have this physical connection between our bodies and our spirits. And it's a real thing and you can use it to your advantage. You can activate your body in order to activate your spirit. Or maybe more to flip it into the negative form, which is because that's how we're going to come to it more often from not. If your spirit feels dead and inactive, take a walk. Literally, open your front door and go through it. Try activating your body first, which is something you can do very intentionally and Just see what happens with your spirit. This is why so much healing work is body work. The body keeps the score is the the book about trauma that's so powerful. It's true in all directions that our bodies are connected to everything else, every other part of us. And also, by the way, this is like a built-in fidget device for for distracted prayer. (laughs) Do you know some people who... uh, Um, kind of have to be holding something and playing with something just to to sort of stay focused on a task or an idea or a conversation. There's nothing wrong with it, by the way. It doesn't make you an inferior person. It's just how your brain and body work together. This works like that. Speaking of which, Tuesday's prayer workshop, which I have said a couple times now is the last one, is going to be hands-on. We're going to make prayer beads, which is like the original fidget toy of spirituality. (laughs) Um, I hope that you'll come and join us in in that. And I have some set prayers that is going to combine praying with a script and praying with a community and praying with your, you know, your body. It's really cool. This is what I'm suggesting to you, though. If, If for people who said they get distracted during prayer, turn that into a feature. On your prayer walk, if you go and do this, I can promise you one thing. You will become... Uh, at first, more distracted and not less because there's way more things to distract you. But you can turn each one of those distractions into a prayer. And suddenly, you're opening up to this experience that you were having trouble with when you were stuck back in your house. You see a pretty flower? Ooh, a pretty flower. Turn it into a prayer. Give thanks to God for that moment with nature. You walk past a, a rundown. House, notice it. 
pray for the people who live in it. Maybe even pray for the systems that perpetuate poverty in our community. Your neighbor interrupts you. Oh. Well, use that as a moment to ask God how you could be praying for your neighbor. And then, only if you get a super clear direction from the Holy Spirit, <laughs> ask the neighbor how you could pray for the neighbor, for them. You don't have to ask it about prayer, by the way. You could just say what's happening in your life right now. And the prayer part could be a secret between you and God. <laughs> Until such time as you feel it's good to disclose that. What I'm saying is sometimes we lead with that, and I'm not sure it's extremely helpful to people. Oh. This, is, this is, I think, one of the other benefits of praying with your feet in this literal way, which is that the, there's a new power that comes with praying as your setting changes around you. Your prayer evolves as you make your way through the neighborhood or through the park or wherever you are. There are a thousand calls to prayer outside your door that you will never receive if you stay at home every time you pray. And it really is as simple as going out your front door with the intention to pray. You can use any of the types of prayer that we've talked about so far in this series. You can pray with your emotions while you are on a walk. You can pray listening prayer. You can do a community prayer walk. You can even pray with a script while you're on a walk. You might need to memorize it ahead of time, but you can do it. And I have to say, as I look outside, today is a perfect day to try this out. I'm so glad it's not raining like it was yesterday because I can say to all of you, right after the bagel brunch <laughs> or open doors, you can go pray with your feet in this second, more literal way. The sun is shining. The Lilac Festival is an accessible walk for most people to get to. By the way, the secret is to go out through the back of the parking lot and walk through Highland Meadows until you get to Highland Parkway and then take that down to Goodman and you, you don't have to worry about all of this um, uh, uh, what do you call the suburban design that, that, that has no or poor sidewalks? <laughs> yeah. Actually, it's not too bad right there, but you, know, you get what I'm saying. Oh, my goodness. Try this. Will you please? I hope that you will please try this prayer today. Pray with your feet. Either by looking for an action that you can take right now today to participate with God's answers to your prayer, by putting your spiritual car in gear and saying, then, Jesus, take the wheel. Or by simply walking out the door and moving your body as you begin to pray in whatever way seems best to you. I hope you'll try it soon. Let me say a brief prayer for, for all of us together as we conclude. God, thank you for the chance to be honest with each other these past several weeks and to learn some new ways to pray. And my prayer is for our prayers, that they would continue to be expanding, that our understanding of your presence with us would get bigger and bigger each day, that our definition of what prayer even is would be big enough to hold just a portion of what you might have in store for us as we begin to explore the possibilities. Be with us as we pray, we pray today. In Christ's name, amen. For more information, visit us at artisanchurch.com.